It's another week in the foyer reference household, and we are back in the motherland. We haven't been here since two Baba OT. Mm-hmm. Go and check out our young, rich, and African episode, friends and lovers. Let's get on with the show. Friends and primal lovers, welcome back to the For Your Reference Podcast. You got your host, Katie. And OT. Stare at the beast of survival or legacy as we are guided by the sweetie white saviour. <laughs> Take a bite out of the motherland with Beast this week. Mm-hmm. Woo-hoo-hoo. The least problematic will at the Oscars, am I right? <laughs> Shout outs to Will Packer right off the top. Let's get into general stats and information. And I managed to scribble some themes and I'm very excited to talk about this, friends and lovers. In regards to director, we have the ever love and lauded Baltasar Comicor. In regards to writers, we have Ryan Engel as well as Jaime Primack Sullivan for the story. Actors, actors, actors. Idris Elba is a well-known entity in the four-year reference household, and he's obviously going to have his own section. Um, Shout-outs to the rest of the cast, Ayana Haley, Leah Sava Jeffries, and the OG sweetie man, Shalto Copley. Mm-hmm. Sweetie man in the house. Sweetie and still a savior, it seems. <laughs> spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Sweetie savior, sweetie savior, sweetie savior. Wow. Let's get into first impressions, OT. You know, um, it's nice to be situated back on the, as Burner Boy would say, the OG continent where everyone originated from. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's talk about first impressions. What did you think of the film now that you've had some time to digest like the lion you are? (laughs) How are you feeling, my love? Oh, good. I thought I I enjoyed the movie um, seeing just... You know, it's been a while since you've seen a movie like this. Uh-huh. You know, it, it reminded me of something like Ghost in the Darkness. Yeah. It, which was about uh, how people are building the railway through Savo. And I wonder how, who they got to build the railways. Hmm, seems like a different topic, hey? Yeah, that's a completely different topic altogether. And they were attacked <laughs> by lions and all that. So it's been a minute since I've seen anything like this. And I was there for it. It was fun. It was enjoyable. And it it didn't take itself seriously, which is a big proponent of what I've been enjoying lately. Uh-huh. And um, it was fun. It was a fun day out in the cinemas. Nice. Um, but I would say, you know, I am an Idris gal. And if you are, you know, an OG of the four-year reference household, you know I was holding the bastion um, for Idris Elba as uh, James Bond. But, you know, in this anti-callous Game of Thrones, House of the Dragons world, I understand how this matrix works. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of feel like Idris thrives in serious roles. Okay. And I, I guess we can talk about performances, but, you know, if anyone said I said this, if anyone tries to do a soundbite of this, I'll just say it was an audio deep fake. <laughs> <laughs> You've been doing a lot of deep fakes lately then. <laughs> Don't worry about my subgenre OT. Don't worry about how we pay for those electricity utility bills. Oh, wow. <laughs> Speaking of, um, I guess the opposite contrast is I really enjoyed the isolation 
in this film. Um, like you said, it's been a while since we've watched something aside from Nope, because obviously that is a blockbuster. Go and check out Nope if you haven't already watched it. But this was very a specific story that was being told, right? Um, you've got the sort of domestics that are going on with um, Dr. Nate and his daughters, but you've got a very real, very tangible need for survival. And I think it really traversed a very nice sort of balance um, being in South Africa, right? Um, there's obviously, there's a lot, there's a lot that I definitely want to talk about, but um, generally, yeah, you're right. I did enjoy it. Um, I did feel like in regards to poaching, which surprise, surprise, welcome, have a seat, enjoy our Jupiter's cock of truth, friends and lovers. Um, we're definitely going to talk about poaching. Um, but I kind of wish that it dived a bit deeper. No one saying it needed to. And I guess the film didn't really afford for the space for it to be deep, but you can't put in a a topic such as poaching and not go deep right Mm. it's like having 12 years of slave and then just looking at fastbender the whole time (laughs) (laughs) i'm pretty sure that people out there would have preferred that movie altogether they got the fastbender in Mm -hmm. it yeah probably um so let's let's talk about the themes obviously we'll talk about the characters but there are some themes that i want to get into and i want to talk about poaching personally for me, um, and you know, OT, feel free to occupy all the space. But personally, I, I kind of, I felt very, very like slum tourism travel brochure with the way they approached poaching in the film. Um, because you know, we, we can generally say poaching is bad, but then are we also addressing the volume of poaching is to actually meet a demand in the market? Like, are we going to have that conversation? Cause if we're not, we're kind of just demonizing one side mm. thoughts, our residential African black man. Wow. Well, you took the title in Young, Famous and African, so. I did. Uh, I didn't have a problem with how they approached poaching. I thought they raised the the, the options out there. Like, they, they didn't spell it out for people, but they did bring some discussions around it, including anti-poachers as well. So it's, it's not that they had to delve deep into the poaching world or try and... Uh, say how bad or how good it is or, or the benefits for the community that, that engage in this because A, they probably don't have any other choice to survive Thank you. or feed their family. Thank like you. it's multi-nuanced and it's not just, oh, boarding is bad. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, it's things that a lot of the time uh, people used as a tool back in the day, yeah. you know, um, to trade, you know, good old butter trade and stuff. So it's, it's nothing new. Yeah. It's not a new concept. But, but the movie didn't afford it. That's what I'm saying. Agreed. But they were looking at the more radical ways in which people poach nowadays, which yeah. has escalated. It's not off. Oh, let's do it for all. You know, let's do it in a controlled manner where we're not just eradicating all the bloody elephants for no fucking reason. Uh-huh. You know, you don't have to kill a fucking elephant to get it tasks. You know, it's shit like that. Yeah. But like, even, even if I can speak to it, you know, I cringe at the thought of me being a tourist, but you know, I am, and, and I have been going to Kenya and, you know, you go to elephant, you know, orphanages and there's a whole spiel about poaching without also acknowledging the market that is, you know what I mean? There's a reason why there are slum orphanages that aren't legitimate orphanages in Nepal and all around the world. Like there's a reason why there is a supply of it is because there's a demand for it. And I think, you know, cause we're real and we're going to talk about it. This is our frame of reference. 
Uh, maybe it's because this wasn't written by African people. So the lens of it being like these people are bad, it kind of casted a shadow on the overall sort of film. It felt like plucking an aesthetic, you know, no no stranger to like a Tarantinoism being like, I want to take Doc Tanyan. <laughs> I'm just going to do this. <laughs> I, I see where you're going. Uh, um, I can see that. But I think the, the purpose of this movie was to sort of not delve deeper into all those sort of issues. But then why do it? That's that's what I'm saying. More for the lighthearted seeing lions fucking chew on people entertainment value. Well, haven't they seen the TV series La Braya? They could have just had, <laughs> <laughs> he could have he could have stayed in the United States and had that. But it's you know it, it's interesting, and I'm I'm more than happy to relinquish this space to you. I personally found it a bit frustrating because of the if you're part in the pun the lens of this film because it doesn't allow for nuance, but it gives a very um, go-to consumable, digestible, not necessarily true to life, being one with the land. That's all. Yeah. uh, I think the daughters sort of bring that aspect in. Uh, I think it was, I think it was the younger daughter, Nora, who was bringing up all the sort of effects of poaching Uh and what's out there to combat that. And outside of that, they didn't really address it that much other than just depict them as really um, sort of the bad sort of villains in the movie. Yeah. Which they had to get their kebabins and you see them how they get devoured by the bloody lion, you know? So (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I can understand that because at the end of the day, the way it's being done right now, um, it sort of moved away from the sort of back in the day sort of method. Okay. Interesting. And I think, you know, even coming back to our King Kong episode, like the visual portrayals didn't seem to bother you. Maybe if the dialogue was a bit more, you know, sharpshooting, maybe you would have got a bit more frustrated with it. But if you're cool with it, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to address, you know, the poaching in the room, so to speak. So the next theme that I have is family squabbles versus survival. This was, this was um, interesting to me because even once we get through like the first 20 to 40 minutes of establishing the film there was still a lot of moments that there was squabbling in the film where there are literal lions about to devour you that I thought was quite interesting because I'm like you need to let that go bruv like we're trying to survive out here yeah it was wild I think the daughters just showed a side of of I, I, I don't know if it's bravery or fucking courage but bloody hell, they had, they put their squabbles at the forefront, you know, despite everything else. Um, you had uh, Meredith, the older daughter, uh-huh. pretty much ignoring what Nate says. Yeah. You know, stay in the car. Nah, next minute, she's out of the <laughs> but car. there's a literal there's lion. There's a little lion in the vicinity. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what? Like, I don't care how mad I am at you, OT. I would never leave the safety of a car just because I'm mad at you. And I'm a petty motherfucker. I'm not 50 cent petty, but I'm almost there. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's wild because we all love bloody Shadow Copley, but mm-hmm. I'm not getting out of a car no. <laughs> to, to go... To go drag him out when there's a lion in the vicinity. He had a good run. Yeah, like <laughs> it was good to know you, uncle, but that's how it ends. We'll see you in hell, you fucking prawn. <laughs> 
You know, but I think that's one of the things where you suspend believability for a bit. Yeah. Because no way a father and his two daughters get stuck in in a fucking resolve and they do that shit. Yeah. Because bloody hell. Yeah. Hey, I'm not getting out of that car for no one. Yeah. I'm staying there until someone else comes and finds me. What if Halle Berry was out there wanting to be saved? It was good knowing you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because you, you see, I, I was I said Halle Berry instead of myself because I thought that would get you out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that was quite interesting. And you're right. It was more so Meredith, not necessarily Nora. But yeah, unless that's like the American sort of like um, mindset, I don't know. But for me, it's a universal mindset to like survive. Mm, mm. Yeah, it was wild because suspending believability for a bit, you know, Meredith had, you know, you could tell that she was really, really angry at Nate for abandoning them, especially when the mom was sick mm-hmm. and she held him responsible for everything. Uh-huh. And that's fair enough. But when you're faced with a lion that can't be killed, yeah, that's dodging bullets, <laughs> that is, 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 is walking out of, of a fucking car explosion like bad boys. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Bay's next film. Yeah. Uh, y- you've got to draw a line. Yeah. And I think that's where Nora was sort of bringing her back to sort of reality and being like, hey, this is not the time. Yeah. This is not the place. You might not even make it out alive to hold this resentment. Yeah. Me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Survive for your grudge to live another day. Yeah. Oi. Well, you kind of, you, you touched on the next theme that I wanted to go to very perfectly. And it's the supernatural lion. And I don't know, would you say it was more than one? Because I feel like there were more than one lions that we saw that were like this. Nah, it was the one lion that had his whole pride killed. And it was vengeful as fuck. But it survived a myriad of, of, of encounters. You know, machine guns wouldn't do anything. It was wild. He was the Baba Yaga of the lions. <laughs> well, we're looking out for the Continental. I'll be looking forward to see if they have a lion department. Mm, mm. But I want to talk about it. Do you do you genuinely believe, because you keep talking about suspending belief, suspending belief, which I love because we're in Africa and it's, it's very real based in real life. But you've been saying suspending belief for so much of this. Do we need to suspend belief or do are we actually saying that there's some sort of supernatural or law in regards to this lion resisting and being able to thrive? Well, the broad in mythology around a phenomenon that has lions that have lost their pride. I'm hunting down the people who, the poachers. Yeah, but I don't think that's a supernatural thing. I, that's, I think that's just basic instinct, if you'll pardon the pun. But lions don't don't behave like that. You know, lions don't come and fucking hunt you like that, you know? Well, when you cut them off from the pride, they do. But I don't think that's a supernatural component. So why are, the, why are these lions, why is this lion not dying, is my question. No, I, I think that's whatever this lion was doing is fucking supernatural because I, I've never had or seen a lion <laughs> behave this way. <laughs> But how it was, it was just, I don't know, maybe revenge is a very strong motivator. Uh. It's taking some punches and some kicks, (laughs) dodging bullets like Neo. You know, nothing could touch him up until, you know, and I think the most, 
I don't know if you could call it poetic thing is the only thing that stopped it is another is a, is another line or uh, other lines. Okay, I have a theme for that. So we'll we'll leave that to the side for the second. While we're talking about the supernatural line, whether the line was supernatural or not, we need to talk about Nate. Like we need to talk about Nate and I kind of hinted at it when we we're talking about first impressions. I'm not for toxic masculinity friends and lovers. But if there was Say that ever again. <laughs> If there was ever a time for toxic masculinity, isn't it to fucking save Nora from a fucking lion? He was like shouting advice from the bottom of the Jeep. And I'm like, get the fuck out and go and save your daughter. Oh, hide, make sure he can't see you. And the lion's on the top of the Jeep and you're still trying to yell advice? Cyril figures or otherwise. Well, you know, there's a thing, you know, when you, you, you go on an airplane and they say like, don't try and fucking put a face mask on your kid. <laughs> <laughs> Do it on yourself fast. That's the same scenario here. What's good wow. of him coming under that Jeep for him to be mauled? There's no, there's no reason. Stay safe. Make sure your kid can hear the instructions. And until the situation is neutralized or you're safe to come out, that's the only situation where you can come out. Because we saw him, I, I, I know we're jumping to the, towards the end of the movie, but when he when he had like walking out and just saying, like, fuck it, I'll fight this lion. Yeah. I'm like, bruv. You, there's the whole a time. dozen couple of times you would have the, died by then. The whole time. <laughs> like the whole time. Like, do you want a medal because you're taking a stand now? You left Nora in the fucking car. No, like I, I, not even a medal bit, but wow. I think that lion was wearing like oven mitts because <laughs> I don't understand how he wasn't torn to shreds yeah. within the first two seconds. He had a little scratch. He was just battling with a fucking lion and he <laughs> lived to tell the tale with just fucking minor scratches here and there. <laughs> Now, nah, bruv, come on now. Come on. I just like, you know. They treated that lion like Goro, you know? <laughs> you still haven't healed from that, have you? No, nah, I've not. Go and check out our Mortal Kombat um, episode, Friends and Lovers. That lion had Goro energy all over it. <laughs> you know it's big, you know it's tough, you know it's badass. You know, it can beat pretty much uh, most of the people there. But nah, you'll get that one person who will fucking defy logic. Just say people aren't reading your Goro sex fan fiction. Just say that because that's the pain I'm feeling right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that'll be a separate podcast. (laughs) Oh man. But yeah, that line was very interesting. And then, you know, obviously if I'm going to Kyle, Katie, Brovlosky it, like they they put this lion in a circumstance that you're right isn't in their nature. So fuck shit up, my friend. <laughs> and to some degree, I was with a lion. Like, yeah. what the fuck? You bothered me. Yeah, yeah. You killed everyone in my pride. Yeah, I'm gonna hunt you down. I'm gonna kill you. And I was like, yes, do that. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter that Nate, Mary, that Nora weren't there for it. Yeah. But mate, he said, "Fuck you. Fuck the clicky claim. Fuck your thumbs." <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Fuck you're standing upright. I'm coming for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Poacher, anti-poacher, you're all the fucking same. I'm coming for you. As long as you're fucking walking with your fucking two legs, nah, you're out. <laughs> Rampage! Nah, but I was like, yeah, leave these fucking animals alone. And if you're not going to leave them alone, come for your ass. 
Mm, mm. And another thing, if we're talking about Dr. Nay, what was up with him? Like, I get that because, you know, friends and lovers, go and listen to our four blocks, as Katie Hamadi told you, go and listen to our four blocks. Um, because I really go into detail about the difference of nationality and ethnicity. And we see that very clearly with Dr. Nate's character. Because he, <laughs> he's absolutely a black man, but he is very American. <laughs> Very American. And a side note, did he go to the Carl Urban School of Accents? Because usually he does quite a good American accent. Or is it when he got very scared? Because I could hear the flickers of like a British accent. To be honest, I didn't I didn't know he was meant to be American until he said it. <laughs> well, I, I was asking to clarify and we were both a bit confused. Oh, I was like, oh, bro, did you just say New York? <laughs> <laughs> From where? Oh, wow. I just assumed they're all Brits. But the way he navigated was very confusing to me because, like I said, survival is universal, but he was acting very American, very Western in the sense that, you know, when you have Martin trying to tell him how to find the tower and he's like, it's the only man-made thing. How how, how the fuck this motherfucker can't find a fucking tower? Like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, help yourself, mate. Like, if you're not going to help your daughter from getting ravished by a lion, help yourself. Mm. Yeah, the, the moments of, of of disbelief with Nate specifically, you know, where you'd assume that he'd take ownership or charge in a situation. Yeah. And that's where the daughters, either Meredith or, or Nora would come in. I'm like, yeah. no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Come on now. You and should not even let this situation fly like that. Like there's a reason why he's estranged because he wasn't fucking helpful or he just didn't like his daughters. I don't know. The last scene, or oh, it was the end of the movie where the last scene, they, 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 he gets the Jeep, they start driving. He sees an abandoned house and he's like, it's better I I take you um I take Mary there to go and you know treat her there yeah. so she's better. But Nate enters the bloody room and doesn't close anything. He knows <laughs> there's a bloody lion. There's a pride of lions somewhere there. There's lions everywhere. Yeah. You know they're running from one. Yeah. And he doesn't close any door. He doesn't close any window. He opens everything and leaves it open. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I know you're scared. I understand that. But that's just a basic survival shit. Dumb. Just dumb. Especially for a black fella, you know? <laughs> you, you don't go opening doors and not closing them when you're being attacked. Because at least if you hear like a disturbance, you know where it's coming from. Yeah. He had some white energy there. I'm like, what? <laughs> I say Western, OT says white, apparently. Um, no, but you're right. There were so many questionable things that he did. And I'm like, ah, this is a beautiful lesson in nationality and ethnicity because why was he navigating in such ridiculous ways? Doesn't matter. Well, it doesn't matter what neighborhood you're in. Yeah. Black people will fucking close the doors. You know? <laughs> well, not him. Apparently not. Not him. Especially in some jungle being yeah. chased by a lion. And you're like, yeah, I'm just going to open all the doors. Yeah. That I'm going <laughs> to open all the windows. Why don't they consult you for their, for their black fella scripts? <laughs> well, Paco was there. <laughs> <laughs> Close the doors. Keep Will Packer's name out your fucking mouth, O.T. <laughs> 
Yeah, that was just like, I don't know. Like, you know, like there's there's a lot of talk about um, Idris Elba's, like this is one of the first or maybe one of the few sort of roles he has where he's vulnerable. And I don't agree with that because he wasn't emotionally vulnerable and he just let his daughters throw to the wayside. That's not being vulnerable. That's being careless and negligent. <laughs> he was not the best dad. No. And he, he admitted as much yeah. at the very least. He, he he was like, yeah, you know, I've not been the best dad. I, I, I'm I'm here now. You yeah, know, I'm going to step up. But usually when people say I'm not the best dad, they'll still try and save you from a lion. True, true. But then where's the line? You know, there's no guide. There's no guide to say that you've got to rescue your daughters from lions no matter what. <laughs> you've got to lock the doors to make sure no one can enter the house while you're being chased. Uh-huh. There's no manual for that shit. So I'm not going to hold him accountable when, you know, he's just trying out here. And and friends and lovers, this is why we don't talk about Oti's previous lives and previous wives, because it sounds like you've left a lot of kids out to the lions. Uh, What were we watching? Uh, I think it was um, 90 Day the Tell All and you'd have... Kobe. You'd have Kobe come in and say, you know what? At the age of three, the kid had to, you know... And the kid had to manage his own affairs. You know, that's the energy. <laughs> Three years old, bruh, you're old enough. You're manage also, your own affairs. You're also missing the context because he wanted to continue to suck titty and not the kid. And that's empowerment. Kenya through way of Cameroon, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> we we are cinephiles of quality, but we are TVers of trash, friends and lovers. Mm. Go and watch 90 Day Fiance. We have a lot of time for that what i don't have a lot of time for it's the last theme on my list and we can also go to um characters as well it's the power of lion friendship we had martin shores that you know um him hugging the lions understanding the difference or when he can approach or when he can stay back and you know what he raised those lions you know since they were cubs and he understood them so you know i was like okay more power what i didn't buy though is and I, and I get that the lions are territorial, and if a stray lion would come near a pride, it's the you know it's the it's the job for them to protect. Mm-hmm. But if a lion is attacking another human being, I'm here sitting thinking, is that is that lion gonna interfere there? Is that, is that gonna intercede? <laughs> and then not only that, not only defeat the lion that had trespassed, but leave the bloody man. You know, you can smell the blood. It's all there for the yeah. taking and just leave it. Yeah. You got to tell me all those lionesses be like, yeah, let's just chill here. We can smell the blood, but you know what? You're not going to come for it. Yeah. I don't, I don't believe Actually, that. Actually, you're right. So not only do we have a lion branch of the Continental in the Jonathan Wickerson series, we also have a lion branch of the Cullens in Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they were like vegetarians so they didn't feast on maybe. humans maybe they're getting their blood from you know the clinic at the corner possibly yeah um. <laughs> but it, it, it made no sense and it was so frustrating because it talked about how dangerous these fucking lions are and then the power again the power of lion friendship just tied everything into a neat tidy bow but I guess I would like to dabble into lion cinema because I would like to see the way that they portray humans because we're portraying lions being our best friends but I'm pretty sure it's the opposite way around yeah um, I think the the disconnect here for me was 
I I could get that, you know what? The rogue lion had to go. It had trespassed into a territory that's not his. And that's a no-no. Mm-hmm. Fine. I understand that. They explained it early in the movie Animal as Kingdom well. Animal Kingdom and all that, yeah. yeah. But you have a, a bleeding man down there. <laughs> Nowhere that guy walks out. Some prime, prime rib. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's just a, a lazy ass dinner for you, you know? Um, We didn't get to address Martin's character. And again, again, we're kind of coming to nationality and ethnicity again. Um, Dr. Nate, I seem to have a lot of qualms, quarrels and quandaries when it comes to Dr. Nate. But so I get that he's American or as we've established from the accent, potentially he's American. Yeah. So he's in America. And as far as we understand, he met his wife in America. Yeah. Mm. But his wife is from South Africa. His wife is from the same village and Martin. Hmm. I don't know if we're going to talk about it. I've got time, but I don't know if we're going to talk about it because he kept visiting the village, but he's not from the village. (laughs) (laughs) There was a rooster in the coop. Um, But yeah, so what I didn't get or what I personally didn't understand, because let's be very clear, for all of the qualms, quarrels and quandaries that I had with Dr. Nate, that would be me. That would be me and our dog in Kenya if you weren't there. (laughs) I know I wouldn't be useful. I wouldn't be able to save anyone. And I would definitely meet my end inside of a lion's mouth. I understand that. But what I didn't understand is he was married to her and they had to have been together for a good chunk of time he never went to visit her village it doesn't seem like he ever visited because it's not even about whether he can speak the language or not it's like everything was new to him like when he, and i also shout outs because the um little plane was called impala air which i thought was very nice um but he didn't seem to have any sort of like contextual cue, clues of what was around him yeah he's he's a new he's an american boy he <laughs> he needs the landmarks to know where he is which are far in between in um in Africa, especially in the jungle. Mm-hmm. So I can understand him not knowing where he was. But there was a, he had mentioned that oh, it's been a while. You still have these pictures here. So meaning that he had visit, he's been there. What this has been to Martin's house before? It's just been a long, long time. You know, shit's been forgotten. Okay, interesting. And what was there anything that was? I'm going to sixty minute you if you're nasty. Was there anything stirring within you to see a black man know much, much less about the motherland of the white man? Felt wrong, man. <laughs> Um, no, I just, I just, I thought we would have a good giggle gaggle and I was, I just needed to ask you. No, it did. It did. I was like, uh, mate, you need to do more research here. <laughs> Your wife is from that place. Yeah. Come on now. Come on. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not saying you even need to know more than, than, than Martin. Just, just know the basics. Yeah. Know the basics of the place. Yeah. Know, know where, know how to know where your wife's village was uh-huh you know know how to say hello <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I expected to i expected him to do more or to do better there because like at, at the start of the film the visual is undeniable you can visually it, it you know and whether you have a conflict with it i guess is up to you friends and lovers but you know visually i was kind of uncomfortable with it even him being the expert of of the of the reservation and of all of the animals it kind of bothered me but also if you go on safari friends 
and lovers, you're probably going to see white people um, at the head of at least the bigger successful sort of tourism operators, right? So I was like, okay, fine, I'll I'll work within myself to accept that. But to be fair, as the film continued going, it was made very clear that Dr. Nate knew shit all. Like aside from being a doctor, like he didn't know anything. <laughs> yeah, and that was underwhelming. He needed to do the work. He did need to do the work. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you want to say about Martin's character? No, he was a good uncle. Uh, he resonated well with the daughters. He understood them. He showed interest in Meredith's work. Uh-huh. You know, um, you could tell that they were really close with the wife, which I was thought there would have definitely mm-hmm. been something there. Yeah. We, we didn't see the little shaltos in the end credits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he he was an overall good character, you know, to have, and that he, he sort of encapsulated the the sort of symbolic father role for the girls yeah. that Nate couldn't do. You know, he mm-hmm. he sacrificed himself for the girls. He gave advice. He was there. He listened, and yeah, man, he he could not put a foot wrong in this. No, I don't. I don't think there was a moment where he would have been given an opportunity to not be the, I guess, perfect in in. <laughs> relative to like Dr. Nate's character. He kind of was um, the perfect character. He kind of brought, he brought something different to the film as well. Like he kind of felt like he had the reins of what was happening around them. Um, But yeah, I like, I loved having him there. Um, It was, but yeah, the the white savior sort of um, not on a grand scale, um, but friends and lovers go and check out our district nine episode. Shout outs to our lovely sweetie boys, film busters. Um, To this day, it's our biggest podcast, five people on the mic. Mm. Um, But yeah, like obviously it was different and, you know, we're seeing a different side of South Africa because obviously um, in district nine, we're tackling more, sort of entrenched themes with the country's history. Um, But, you know, it was very, like, it was undeniable, but maybe it just happened to be, you know? But Mm. again, when you you have a white man knowing more about Africa than a black man, even though he's from America, like visually, (laughs) it created a complex is all I'm saying. (laughs) Friends and lovers, if if you haven't already um, watched Writers of Justice, you should um, and listen to our episode on it because that is a beautiful example of a father trying to navigate grief with his daughter. Um, so I would recommend you go and watch that. I just wanted to talk a little bit because we we've been we've been out with the lions, we've been out with the supernatural power of friendship. I kind of just want to talk about grief just very briefly because that's kind of the catalyst of this film. Um, and it kind of creates the dynamic that never would have been created with, you know, Dr. Nate and his daughters. What were your thoughts on the way that he was not even handling? What, what were your thoughts on the way he was choosing to not handle the situation of grieving his wife and, you know, coming together with his daughters? He handled it like crap. Uh, I think he admitted as much. He, he said that he didn't know and he missed the signs and the signals and when he left, he just, you know, it's one of those things that he regrets. So I, I can have some sympathy for him there that it all happened after he was outside. Mm-hmm. But once he found out, it seemed like he waited up until the wife was dead for him to come in. But where was he in the last year? Because that's what Meredith was saying. Where were you in the last year? Yeah, and that's what I was like, bro. <laughs> come on now. You know, like who, who are you? Dream from Sandman? <laughs> yeah, maybe he was captured underworld, man. <laughs> 
But yeah, I, I think that was one of the things that his flaws are character. In as much as we don't get much character development for him, he does at least see his, the error of his ways and he's trying to be there. Yeah. So at the start of the movie, he's fully aware of what he needs to do. Uh-huh. At the end of the movie, it's more, okay, we fucking survived. So let's hopefully, this will be a nice bonding opportunity for us. Okay. Rather than, oh, I've done the work. I I, I need to, you know, because there's still no connection with the daughters outside of, you know, saving them, which maybe creates that bond. And I think, you know, I, I think it, it, it makes sense. I can understand why they melded together like survival literal survival with you know reconnecting with his daughters but i do think adding that element of survival kind of took away from the core because the core was the relationship between nate and his daughters and i don't think that was necessarily explored or developed through the storyline of survival case in point leaving nora in the jeep like Like if it was used to bolster the the growth and and the connection between his daughters, I think it would have done quite well. For me, if they had stayed in New York and focused on that grief element, I think that would have been a more compelling, or maybe that would have revealed that there wasn't any sort of compelling through lines with Nate. Yeah, I hear that. I think one of the biggest qualms for me at the very least is we get this movie shot in Africa about, you know, safari and whatnot. Yeah. But, hey, the the, uh, the poacher guy head is a white guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> the guy riding the safari lodge is a white guy. Uh-huh. I'm like, bro, come on now. Feel it, you know, OT. You get Feel the black it. people in the background, you know, being the ones eating fast. I'm like, come on, come on. Why, why couldn't the leader of the poachers be a black guy? From South Africa, because they had a couple of actors from there. Yeah. You know, it's not that the talent was in there. Is this I'm your just, is this your white lotus? I, I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> a, a lot of the time, especially we're in fucking 2022, gotta do better in that regard. Uh-huh. You know, it doesn't have to be, oh, let's just put the white faces there because I don't know. You know, I understand most of these lodges are run by white folks. Mm-hmm. Give an African guy the poacher role. I'm just saying. <laughs> hey, don't they, do they that. Don't have, they don't have to be in the background subservient to some fucking man. Yeah. They can kill other animals for their profit by themselves. Yeah. They can do bad by themselves. Tyler Perry said so as well. <laughs> Give you, them the opportunity, bruv. Are you working with Tyler Perry? <laughs> now, that's just a, one of the things that I, I, I took note of and I saw. I was like, come on now, man. Like how? How in come the 2020s are we making films about not even if we're not even talking about like Nate's family how are we in the 2020s setting a film in Africa and not having African leads black African leads let me make a distinction and and just not not even prominent he wasn't in a prominent position because the poacher guy was barely shown but he had lines and can we talk about how brutally all the black africans were killed yeah but like even the, the only person who had who was african and had some lines was camel yeah you know who was and black was, african was camel and he was shown for a second flirting with meredith or some shit yeah just just just, just <laughs> <laughs> there could be a i don't know i don't know I don't know. It, it just felt like a missed opportunity. The man- but then it's not fucking Will Parker's job. It's just one of those things that I saw as an African. And I was like, ah, fucking hell. 
Live and die in Africa. Exactly. But don't get casted, right? Don't get casted. Get castigated. We'll be in the background getting eaten fast. <laughs> but it's all good. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> we'll get our, our screams at least, you know, in there. I'm glad we found your white lotus, OT. Nah, no, it's not even to that degree. It's just all of those things that I was like... Yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah. And it's Will Parker. I think that's what what's more disappointing. It's by black people, and I'm like, yeah. Hey, I th- I thought I thought you were a united front in a public space. We are. <laughs> <laughs> I can still say it because I come with my um, bias. Who are you so, fighting? So I'm not fighting anyone. I'll it's- fight you. Don't fight Will Parker. <laughs> I'll fight you. Well, they don't need to do shit. And they showed that they did need to do shit. But it's one of those things I was like, it's a missed opportunity. Just there's people out there. It's easy to get them. They're everywhere. Well, I guess it's high time we support uh, localized talent, right? Telling their own fucking stories, right, OT? Yeah. Woo-hoo-hoo. I'm feeling spicy after hearing uh, OT's Jupiter's cock in my ear. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to finish off in a segment we call Fight Reference. OT. If you want to watch Idris in another African movie, I'd recommend Sometimes in April. It's about the genocide in Rwanda. Yeah, just to keep it light, hey? Just to keep it light. Uh, I am traveling to Nairobi, OT, would you believe? Oh, welcome, Karibu. Hmm. <laughs> You're doing the shucking and jiving for the tourists? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On their way to the village to take picture with the kids? Oh, for sure. I'll be pausing with you. <laughs> Um, so this is a wonderful Kenyan film. It's also available on Netflix. It's got themes of literal survival from the wildlife as well as survival from human sort of dynamics. It's interesting. It's, it's, it keeps you on the tip of your toes. Um, and it also centers blackness. Mm-hmm. If you would like to know how we sent to blackness on Twitter and Instagram, we're at for your F1. Write us an email at hellofpodcast.com. We're also, Idris is a daddy, but he'll leave you to fend for yourself in the Jeep podcast if you like to leave a rating and review. And we'll see you guys next week. See ya. Bye.